VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. I'm a sitting alongside the Casey Clap. Shut your mouth. He's here. <laughs> Where? He's in the building. Oh my God. Get a coffee. Thank goodness he hasn't left the building in an Elvis sort of way. And I'm sitting next to K- Casey? Casey? No, he's not here. <laughs> He's disappeared into the vents. I am here. That's how actually I, I make my escapes. Usually, I just crawl into the vents so I can get out. And no one knows where I am. Yeah. Every time yeah. you enter a new building, you ask the manager about the vent work. Yeah. What kind of HVAC do you guys have? Mm-hmm. Is it like forced air? Can big, I have a map? Big stuff. Yeah, I'd like to check that out. Thanks, uh, Casey. We have no time to dilly dally. We have none at all. We have several points of order to get to at the top of the show. Uh, I will start, and then you have something to 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 do. But we have Ooh. something to do together here. Yes, we are. Which is a call to action, calling all fungal associates. Everyone, you're very important to us. That's right. Without you, this show would be nothing. That's true. And yet, we come to you asking for a favor. If you listen to this show, if you enjoy this show, if you're a fan of this show, Casey and I are asking you to please... Rate and review. Oh, I, a, a bit of me feels like a YouTuber right now. I know. You know, well, at the end, like, hey, like and subscribe. Yeah, this is the tacky, unfortunate part of mm. having a... Uh, Algorithm. A, yeah, exactly. Your world. We're, we're, we are part of the system, unfortunately, and we want more people to listen to our show. We want to spread the word. Mm. And the absolute best way to do that is for people to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, whichever whichever platform you use. Yeah. Um, you can even rate on a platform you don't use. If that would you be great. feel so inclined. Um, here's how it works. There's an algorithm that runs the entire world. We call it the matrix. That's right. And the matrix only shows podcasts to people that are being rated and reviewed. So if your show is never rated or reviewed, the algorithm will never show your podcast to new listeners who might be browsing mm-hmm. on, say, new science podcasts mm-hmm. or nature podcasts. Um, so Casey and I are, are humbly asking, if you like this show and you haven't already, uh, please, it takes, it takes two minutes to go on your, on your platform and rate and review our show Hopefully it's a good rating. If it's not, that's fine too. That is also okay. We yeah, just ask yeah. that you're honest. You know what's funny is that you can actually do it quicker than the trip that follows the blue pill. Wow. Yeah, it's it's that fast. 
So and you'll wake up in bed like nothing ever happened. Yeah, this is unharmful. Uh, can only bring good things. Um, so yeah, that's that is our call to action. We sheepishly ask that you rate and review this podcast. We sheepishly ask that you rate and review this podcast. We sheepishly ask that you rate and review this podcast. <laughs> Someone hit him. He's wow, on repeat. A, a glitch in the matrix, <laughs> oh, Casey. Uh, are there bricks behind me now? It's it's oh a scientific God. fact. If you say something, was it seven times? People remember it. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that. I thought you were saying it's a scientific fact that we are in the Matrix and Alex just glitched. Well, that's true also. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, everyone. Uh, Yes. Thank you so much for rating and reviewing our podcast. Uh, That is the end of that. Yes. Casey. We're going to edit that whole thing out. (laughs) Absolutely not. We are. Uh, Casey, you have something here too. I do. It's exciting. So I love tree identification. You know this. You ask me to identify a tree several times a week. Yes. And I do with absolutely no hesitation. Mm-hmm. It's very fun. Turns out that I'm going to be doing that a little bit more. And I, uh, while I was just looking up some fun things on the internet, turns out I found a winter tree ID quiz from the Woodland Trust. Wow. Everyone should go do that. Uh, I won't tell you the score that I got, but it was... Uh, that's pretty good. It'll a link to that will be in the show notes for this uh, episode. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, we're also I'm teaching a tree ID class, Alex. That's right. It's going to be online. It's going to be very exciting. It is basic tree identification. It's through our friends at the Pacific Northwest Chapter of the International Society of Arboriculture. Wow. You're familiar, Alex? We did a uh, an advertisement a while back for them. That's right. The uh, ISA. That's right. I love them very much. I have a good time. And uh, so we're going to be putting together a basic tree ID course. Now, if you're asking, what is a basic tree ID course? It's all the stuff that you didn't know you didn't know in a technical form. Wow. Then we're going to talk about what makes different trees different in terms of like, well, this is a spruce. How do you know it's a spruce? The answer is not because of the way it is. But once you know what that way is, then that is the answer. Does that make sense? Uh, weirdly, yes. Perfect. Well, that's the that's the thing. On the twenty fifth of March, I believe it's coming out. Great. Uh, we'll be. It's already. It's already in pre production. So, uh, if you're curious and you want to learn, it is a bit on the technical side. I will admit, it's actually. Okay. It's also geared towards arborists. So, if you're an arborist out there, you're a landscaper, or you're just like, I want to know. Go ahead, sign up. And then uh, we'll talk about trees for a little while. There's a question and answer um, after that. And it'll be the first in a big series, Alex. We're going to be doing advanced courses about just about everything that you could ever imagine. Wow. Imagine uh, you want to learn all the conifers. Boom. Advanced course on the conifers. Right. We want you to take this course first because then it's like, okay, you got your basics. We know what you know. Good primer. Exactly. Then we're going to move on. So all that's coming down the pike. But uh, yeah, if you're not doing anything on the 25th of March, Mm -hmm. maybe check it out. Uh, So what? They just need to Google uh, PN. WISA yes. tree ID Casey Clap. That's right. We can also probably include a link somewhere so you can find it a little easier Let's these days. It. Yeah, because uh, you know what? PNWISA is an acronym. The uh, the internet hasn't quite figured out yet. Oh, I see. But it's working on it. Google is a small startup. They're just now trying to, you know, get their algorithm in line. SEO is a is a fickle mistress, as they say, Casey. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got. All uh, right. All that exciting news and more. That's very exciting, Casey. I have uh, as they always say in show business, end with the big fizzle. Oh, yeah. I have one more thing to mention. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, so a few years ago, this video game came out. All right. Uh, it's called Equilinox. It is almost perfectly phonetic. Yeah, I was going to actually, I tried to pronounce it a few times in uh-huh. my head, and I, I decided I wasn't going to do it out loud. Well, there you have it now, Equilinox. Equilinox. Equilinox is a video game you can find on Steam if you have a computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it is so I, I, got, I became really addicted to it back in the day because it's it's one of those games that you have a hard time putting down um I picked it back up again recently just because it's it's very casual and light and easy, and mm-hmm. I thought I might play it. Okay. And I thought, oh, my God, I better Fungal Associates would love this game. It's a small indie game. Uh, so here's what Equinox is. It is a evolution simulator. All right. It, like, it, like evolution, like, like the big thing, like yes. capital E. Yes. Okay. You start with basically barren land. And you start by planting grass. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> uh, your grass unlocks the ability to have sheep. Ah, right? Because okay. sheep eat grass. Yeah. Easy enough. Sure enough. Uh, however, the sheep also like rocks, so you have to place rocks down. What, right? what, do, what do sheep like about rocks? Casey, in the, in the world of this video game, sheep love rocks. And they can't <laughs> live without them. Uh, and then say you want to make a tulip. Well, a tulip is a modified grass. Oh. So you have to selectively breed your grass to be yellow. Once you have yellow grass, you can selectively breed that to become a tulip. I see. Casey, this this it's it's a mat <laughs> I mean I am I am barely scratching the surface with this description. This is so funny. You basically unlock all of the animal and plant kingdom uh-huh. one at a time by selectively breeding and and evolutionizing I also uh, evolving. I have to say, I'm I'm watching a video about it, uh-huh. and, and I love the almost like eight bit animation they have. Yes, it's very blocky, yeah. sort of uh, voxel it, art. Yeah, it's watching like like animals run into trees, and the trees just like spill fruit everywhere. Yes, I love this. Uh, it's if you're interested in science, which I'm, I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you are, mm. um, in evolution and how things how things uh, you know turn from one thing to the next and create new species and things. Uh, it is a great game, and I, I know for a fact many fungal associates will like it. There you go. Uh, it's super casual. I mean, you you can turn it on and walk away for a few minutes and come back, and, and everything's great. evolved. Everything goes on its own, you know. That's what I'm talking um, about. It's a great game, and I think everybody would love it. Casey. Wow. Stunning. We have a tree to discuss this week, as we do every week. This week, a grave discussion. This is very serious. It's a it's a spooky one this week, Casey. We are right. talking about the English U. The English U, which is a bit like the royal we. It is, will. yeah. Oh, I, I mean, as everything in Britain is. I thought that was funny. It was. I laughed. Hmm. Hmm. Did you under? Did you? Were you listening to what I was saying? I think so. Okay. Say it again. The English U, which is much like the royal we. Yes. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. So I I picked up like, okay, okay. I was listening, mm-hmm. but I missed the you we part. Sure. Because I my brain just took you as the plant straight. Right. right? So I missed that whole, uh, I missed that. It was like, I think I get that. The royal we, and I realized I didn't get it. I made it. a connection. I That was thorough. Casey, what is the <laughs> scientific name for this tree? Damn it. That's not it. Sorry, it's Texas Bacata. <laughs> what a boring name. Yeah, yeah. Texas Bacata. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Why do you think it's boring? It just doesn't doesn't oh. doesn't ignite any passion in no, me. All right, that's fair. It is. It is a pretty. It's not like. Uh, it, there's no pizzazz to it. No, not at all. Yeah, it's a utility name. It is, Casey. It's Texas utility. Bacata. I, I think maybe because it sounds like taxonomy. Tax. Uh, you and know. a little bit like taxes. Yeah, yeah, and a little bit like Texas. Exactly. So all those things are making us be like, ooh. ooh. I'm Don't just kidding. Texas is nice. Uh, yeah. Casey, let's imagine as we do every episode that you and I are walking through, how about this, 
an English countryside cemetery. Ah, that sounds delightful. As will be the topic of today's discussion. Mm-hmm. And we come across some some uh, very, very old, big, majestic yew trees. Yes, that is right. So the first thing you're going to see from far away is it's very dark evergreen. The, okay. uh, the whole canopy is very... Uh, it's not a normal conifer, and I should note, this is a conifer. This is a gymnosperm. Wow. And it is uh, kind of a weird-shaped plant as it grows up. It gets big, but instead of having, like, the normal conifer growth pattern, we have, like, a single shoot that comes up and, like, branches come off. Like, you can kind of see, like, oh, okay, there's a tree. It looks like that. The English yew can grow up and become well into the size of a uh, of a tree. Like, it meets the definition, no problem, mm-hmm. but is it grows up it kind of grows outwards as well and looks like a disheveled bunch of hair with like weird branches kind of popping up and some kind of curving over like it just has a very ununiformed look to it okay in, in an entire sense like you can draw kind of a circle around it like okay there's a globe of foliage that's just the way it grows it's just the way it grows it just does that and uh it grows up and you can keep it as a single stem with branches that kind of come up and go up and out so it, it maintain maintains the bare bare necessity of a tree Mm. if we're trying to say a tree definition you know one single stem with a bunch of stuff coming up around it so you know it's good but you'll see it from a long way away and it's going to be this big gigantic like you'll think it's an oversized hedge usually the way it grows like it doesn't have the majesty of a tree right and it's inside um like you said generally it's planted in a cemetery or in a next to a building or in a situation that's like framing two sides of something kind of like an entrance uh, or into a, a villa or something yeah, like I've, that. Yeah, I've seen several photos of it kind of framing a door. Yeah, and that's a super classic way for it. And specifically, that's probably a cultivar of it where they have a lot of different varieties. It's been in cultivation for thousands of years. Mm. And so they usually have some that grow almost perfectly upright. So they're a little wacky looking. Casey, can I can I say something here? Yeah. You mentioned they're, they're planted in cemeteries. Mm-hmm. I would, from from my very minimal research for this episode, Yeah. I would even suggest, in, all, in, in addition to that, that often cemeteries are created around use. Yes, that is uh, exactly true. The opposite as well, because user lives so tremendously uh, mm-hmm. to, to a, such a tremendous age. Yes, you're exactly right. And then, But it's funny, because then once they started to make, like, okay, now we got to have a, a cemetery over here, and like, what are we going to plant here? They say, we'll plant use. Yeah. So it became kind of this circular thing. Right. Use are where cemeteries are, because cemeteries are where use are. Wow, man. Yeah, man, someone's going to, if we ever, like, have someone... Uh, 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 transcribing this, uh-huh. they're gonna go crazy. Oh gosh! So this uh, this little green guy you know, is a uh, it's a beautiful tree because it is so dark. So if you walk closer in, if it's a young one, it has kind of a shaggy appearance. And we're talking just the the species variety, mm. which is kind of a you know uh, uh, it's the same thing. A species variety is not a variety; it's just the normal species the way it grows. Instead of being some variety that has some specific thing. So as you if, it, if it's young, it's going to be really shaggy. It kind of looks like like you have a bunch of things kind of just like growing out there in every different direction, very unkempt. And then you go closer and you take a look at their beautiful foliage, and it really is a stunner. So their their twigs have leaves that are needle-like that come off. Technically, they are spirally arranged around the twig. But when they grow, they grow off to the left and the right. So they'll start like the base of it is spirally there. 
but the actual blade of the the little uh, flattened needle grows out left and right. It's very two ranked. So it's kind of one of those things where like technically it's this, but each one of the leaves just angles itself to go perfectly flat left and right. Interesting. Yeah. No, don't exactly know why, but that's what they do. Most of the time they're going to be one or the other. And they have this really dark lustrous green on top. On the bottom, if you flip those leaves over, their leaves are like a dull, dull lime green. Man, I love a two-toned leaf. Oh, this is like got it in spades, Alex. Really? Yeah, it, it's just spectacularly like like bright polished, and then underneath it's kind of like, mm, yeah, very mellow, very muted, but still quite green. What are a couple other trees? I, I know the magnolia has a two-toned leaf, the mm-hmm. bright orange yeah. undercarriage. Ooh, well, a lot of the conifers have two tones, but it's more like um, the top is really green, then you flip over the bottom, and they have two lines of stomato bloom stomato, underneath, yeah. is what it's called. And that's like two white lines that are right underneath it. Yeah. And that creates the two-tone effect, where you can get like dark green, then like silver underneath. Sure. But it, it's not quite the same because it's not, you know, a two-tone kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, there are some, I'm trying to think, there's some other plants that do that. Uh, a Norway maple cultivar has like um, a really dark green on the bottom and kind of on the top it's a little more like a, a coppery color hmm. a little bit. Those ones are really beautiful because if you see the whole tree, each leaf kind of has some dis- some different uh, amount of each one of those colors. Yeah. So it has this really like golden sort of effect where it looks almost fall-like, but it's just how it's growing the whole year. Interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some others. Mm-hmm. There's plenty that have, uh, even the, the English holly will have that same like dark green and light green underside. Yeah. I think that's probably the most common. Sure. Okay. But that uh, that does hit on what makes this tree or what makes this ID characteristic uh, specifically unique is that if you're looking at other conifers, they will always have, or not always, but most of the time, they'll have that stomata underneath. So you're not going to ever see um, a fir or a Douglas fir or a spruce or something that is dark green on top muted green below with no lines right you're always going to see those lines on any other conifer okay so if you're like hey i don't know what this tree is it looks like a yew but it might be uh, a coast redwood or it might be a fir of some kind flip over those leaves and if there's nothing underneath this just another green color you know you're dealing with a yew and Casey, there's one other great ID <laughs> characteristic on this tree. There sure is, Alex. It's, it's going to throw everyone. small, and it's red, and it's a cone. It's a cone. So strange. All right. So technically, I'm going to say it's not a cone. It's not a cone anymore, maybe. Wow. It used to be. It looks like a berry. It is. It's a berry. It's a. It's meant to look like a berry. Like right. That's the whole goal of it. So this is technically a seed, a naked seed with an aural, which covers over the top. Same kind of thing that was over the nutmeg, that red um, kind of sheath that we make mace out of. Right. But in this case, it is a circular cup that comes over the top of the seed, and then the bottom is completely open. If you just flip that little berry arrow upside down you can see the little c right in the middle it looks a bit like a stuffed olive it does it looks exactly like that that's a perfect example and what's fun about them is that they are like this bright red like gorgeous berry they are apparently um uh mucilicious i think is what it is mucilicious i think that's the way you say it what does that mean essentially it kind of is like mucusy so like you you break it and it's kind of like you know like if you if you have a a berry of some kind you like Mm. squish it in your fingers it kind of like 
falls apart a little bit. Like uh-huh. it feels like you have a squished berry. Yeah. For this, when you squish it, it's kind of like a mucusy, kind of sticky thing. Like it almost looks like a slug was smashed inside of it. Kind of sticks together. I think so. Held yeah. Held together by mucus. Yeah. What did you? What was that word? Mucus. Mucalicious. Mucalicious. Yeah, I think that's the right term. Boy, oh boy. The way to say it, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> but wow. Is that a beautiful word? I love it. That might be one of my favorite tree terms I've heard in a long hey, time, Casey. all right. Mark that one down. I'm going to start using that with like my doctors. Yeah, I'm, I, everything's very mucalicious right now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and then you have to start adding in the uh, Fergie stuff and be like, mucalicious, expeditious. Well, of course. Yes. Make these guys go sneezy. Oh. Yeah, that's right. good. You you got me. <laughs> I think I I laughed and cringed at the same time. Ah, it's my only goal in life, Alex. That's the arbitrary brand. That's the arbitrary brand. Well, funny enough, that's exactly what bacata means. It means berry producing. Wow. Yeah, okay. so it's the berry producing you. It's in the name. Yep. And uh so this arrow though, um is edible. The red part that you see, edible. Okay. The seed, the leaves, the mm-hmm. bark. The, the the wood, unedible poisonous. Right. Like, kill you dead poisonous. Well, as it works out, they, uh, people have been eating these for a long time. Like, I, I read something that said uh, it was this guy. I, I don't remember exactly where it came from, but it was some random person who was talking about, you know, them eating you from like in the 1800s and mm. it was like me and my other youth used to go out and eat these and we didn't do it once we did it many times wow and it was great because i was like that's hilarious but you have to be very careful only that red aural and what makes it a cone alex is that technically the cones have been modified so much that they are no longer multi-scales there's one scale and there's one seed and that one scale has now completely gone around that seed and turns this gorgeous red color and becomes very fleshy as opposed to uh having it be woody and kind of go outright so that that is the cone which is a single scale and a single seed interesting yeah so if if a tree's goal yeah is to make more trees Mm -hmm. by having something eat the seed yeah why make the seed poisonous ah because you don't want things to eat your seed it's the same thing with like apples and the pits of cherries and things like that Mm -hmm. like they have arsenic in it and other compounds that make us sick okay so so the reason is if you're if you're constantly looking to eat something eat the stuff that they give you for free but then your body's going to be like don't want this i know that it's poisonous send out the poop shoot toss it yeah get rid of that but then the plant is like happy because a you've now dispersed the seed and there's been a tit for tat it's like i'll give you this if you take it and go over there and eat it they go over there they poop it out then they're like great now i have a plant that has been spread further away from me no competition from the parent plant and the other plant although competition i will say which is going to be another topic coming down the pike competition versus cooperation who knows it's actually way more nuanced so they do they do want their seeds to be eaten just not digested correct they want the fruit around the seed to be eaten and digested thanks for doing your good work little squirrel little bird and then go drop that seed somewhere else would you got it and then that's what happens so if it is uh if it's not protected by these uh these compounds then other like say rodents would go over and just munch on that seed when it's just laying on the ground yeah they'd be like this is delicious i'll do that some birds do eat it but it's just very very rare Mm. and like many animals die i think if horses and and um asses and mules eat it they will they'll perish in like in an hour or something like that i read 
So don't let your horses and your asses eat uh, eat any ewes. Straight up. Heard yeah. that before. <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty common. You know, everyone says it. But yeah, so that's a funny plant. They don't want it. They, it's it's one of the only conifers, not the only conifer, that has actually adjusted its way of life to start co-opting these animals that are around it. Yeah, and that's that's something that's so very curious. There's only a, a few others that do this, such as junipers, right? Where they have those fleshy-looking, delicious cones that then are eaten, but they then do the same thing as what any other fruit would do rather than a normal cone. They just kind of allow the seeds to flutter away or get scatter hoarded by some bird or something like that. Right. Juniper quote cones Mm -hmm. are actually, they look like, and I've, I've my whole life. I've heard people call them juniper berries. Yeah. I still call them juniper berry, juniper berries. Okay. Yeah. So that's like, they're like cone by, by, technicality yes but yeah. berry by practicality i think that's a perfect yeah that's that's the right that's a perfect description great yeah it's a berry by practicality if really. you know what i mean yeah well practically i'm a berry but <laughs> spiritually i'm a cone <laughs> casey um should we talk about the bark of the you yeah oh my god the bark alex is probably one of my favorite parts it is like this it's really thin it's very peely and it is brown on the outer peely side. Okay. But kind of like a dark, kind of kind of brown that's a little light and mottled. It has kind of different two tones. Beautiful. But then underneath is like this lustrous red color. Cambium side? Yeah, the cambium side. So as the bark is... Um, well, not the cambium side, just the layer underneath the brown bark. Yes. So as it pulls itself off, you start getting these dark brown mottled areas with this like green and yellow and red, but all like the, the earth tones of these where they're kind of muted. I don't, is that pastel? Is that the term? Or is pastel oh, bright? Yeah, uh, I think pa- pastel is more muted. Okay, yeah. yeah. So this is a pastel version of it, and it's just the most beautiful bark because it always flakes off like continuously over time. It's really so you, pretty. Oh God! And you can get some big ones that have this this like effect where it's like this just cascading different camouflage look on it. Hmm. One of my top favorite barks. Wow! It is a little bit different than uh, other trees that do this: the paper bark maple or the uh, stewardia. Another dogwood does this. Like lots of trees will do this. Famously. Um, the like rainbow uh, eucalyptus down in Australia, hmm. but they all do it in such a different way. And the U I think has its own special place in this because it's, it's just a stunning amount of like camouflage colors. Wow. I highly, I highly recommend it. Casey, we have a, and I'll say it again, a grave discussion. Oh, uh, no one knows we're going to talk about after about this. the U <laughs> after the break we'll be right back with more completely arbitrary professional welder shana ford used vr training developed by forge fx to hone her skills as a welder the more time that you spend practicing it that's what separates a good welder from a great welder vr training can help students like shana repeatedly practice specific skills Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking the English you, uh, Casey. Alex. When we were planning this stretch of episodes, 
we thought I think you you said, "Hey, let's do the let's do the you." I like mm-hmm. the you. Yeah, I love it. And so we 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 had a big list of trees we wanted to cover, some of which you've heard already. And then we we go through and we we research a topic to talk about. Uh, upon googling the English you, one of us discovered that probably I, I would say I discovered in quotes mm. you knew this already probably that the english yew is an extremely popular graveyard tree in the yes. uk yes I, I i don't think i knew it directly but it's one of those things like yeah i've seen them i've seen them in graveyards all the time i sure. haven't like frequented too many english countryside uh cemeteries okay but it is it's one of the trees that i know of from those kinds of things like church grounds which ancient church grounds are also the cemeteries and they also are very like old style plant it's Mm -hmm. hard for me to describe what i mean by that but some plants are just like when you go somewhere you're like this is an old this tree has been planted like this for ages and ages and ages yeah like the red maple doesn't quite get that like people plant it but it also just kind of grows you don't ever see one and be like oh well that one probably has some history to it you do with yews and a couple other plants and it's either because they were planted at a certain time, in a certain place, and then in this case, exist and last for so long. Yeah. Um, or it just happened to be, maybe they were popular at the time. Camellias like that. Like every every house that was built in the 1940s had a camellia and a yew planted in the front. It was very regal to have it like that. Right. So you can f- see all these like old houses um, that have these big old hedges like right in front that's a camellia and there's yews. And like I walk by, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. If it's right next to the house, I can bet you it's going to be like one of three species. Right. And But they have that, that sort of sense of like, yeah, I've been around for a while yeah i think i think some some sort of cultural significance is important in that definition um and i have i I would like to propose a term for these kinds of trees Ah, please do uh legacy trees ah that's a good one yeah all right legacy trees you don't love it i do love it i'm just trying to use it i'm 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 thinking of all the all the different ways you could use it and how it would be used you know sure going through my my algorithm in my brain right now like the uh the oaks used to build the uh you know to 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 the uh fuel the fires of this one uh army from antiquity uh-huh that would be a legacy tree you i know? see some, okay. some some cornerstone culturally significant tree you mm, yes. being a uh, a protector of the graveyards well and i would add that probably that definition should include having um like they're protected now for whatever reason oh great uh not ne- you know necessarily 100 percent, but i will say these trees are but not everywhere but some places but having them be uh like a legacy tree oh you we don't cut that tree down that's a legacy tree right whether or not we cut it down before now we try not to because it's like no it's a legacy we want to keep it around as long as possible sure which i think there could be species and there could be just individuals of random trees we get uh, this from the english countryside a lot which we tend to stroll through often on this podcast that's right it's, uh, it's got some i think it's because we like too much weird history stuff like lore yeah mm. i love me some lore yep yep he's and a, you're a very lore kind of guy medieval england is one of my favorite lore zones yeah, which is fair which is very fair uh casey in researching for this episode i found something very interesting tell me uh not only that the u is a popular cemetery tree mm-hmm. in the uk mm-hmm. uh, and let's let's go over that really quick Case. yeah give us a quick rundown alex uh well my favorite find from this was a link to a goddess that we have talked about before on oh, this show yeah. quite briefly, but today a little bit more. 
the Greek goddess Hecate. Mm-hmm. Now, Hecate was the goddess of uh, witchcraft, necromancy, if you'll remember, potions. Yep. Poisons. Uh, kind of all the fun stuff. Yeah, you know, all you like, go to. Like, she was kind of a baddie. Yeah, you, you almost have to like imagine, like you have to go to like the, the hut at the end of the road and be like, hey, hey, yeah. what's up? You want to like, uh, can I... Got any of that potion? Right. You know, and like, just kind of like slide it under the door kind of thing. She's kind of underground, and I mean that quite literally. <laughs> she is in Hades, isn't yes. she? In Hades. She's part of that whole crew. Yeah. She runs with a dark crew case. <laughs> um, nice. So, so the, the yew is uh, sacred to Hecate, the yew tree. Um, it's said that the yew purifies, I love this part, purifies the dead as they arrive in Hades. I love that part. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you think about it for like a second more because these are poisonous trees. So is well, the tree is the tree soaking up the poison of the dead? I think that's the case. Okay. Yeah. So I also read something very similar, um, which is a really curious uh, um, book that I found. And the name of that book is The Work of the Dead, which is a cultural history of mortal remains by Thomas W. Lacour. Now, wow. I thought that was really fascinating. It's printed in 2015, so it's maybe a bit dated. And one thing that was really great is, A, I just like the, the, the very wordiness to this uh, to the writing. I just think it's great. But I found a, uh, a little excerpt from it. And their idea was that you plant it and there's like foul-smelling stuff that comes up from, uh, from the, uh, where the graveyard is, which, of course, to body decay. Rotting right? bodies. Yeah. And uh, so then basically someone had um, this this guy quotes uh, this other person named Robert Turner, and they would say that the used branches would draw and imbibe the elignous vapors exhaled out of the graves by the setting sun. Yikes. Yeah, hot. That's great. Yeah, which I assume... They go on to kind of talk about the uh, the the flames that you'd see in uh, like wetlands and like swamps. Have you heard about these? Uh, the f- the flames, flames, just random fire and flame. What's happening in there? Well, methane is produced in swamps. Oh, in these anaerobic conditions, yes. like inside the bottom of the the deepest sections. So they actually, what makes them smell bad is methane. It's this it's this gross thing that you're like, oh, it smells like someone completely farted over here. C- cow cows produce the same thing in their gas. Exactly, right? I believe so to us humans. I will admit. Oh, there you go. Uh, not me, <laughs> just you know, other people. Yeah. I'm sure. Boys don't fart. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so they ended up, um, uh, like, you would see flames sometimes. And, like, this is all kind of legendary and mythic. Yeah. Is you'd see, like, certain swamps with just constant flames coming out. Right. Because that's where, like, there's some methane leak that they are, you know, this flame is kind of hitting on. Mm-hmm. And so they would also apparently, like, every now and then they would see this happen inside of a... Um, a graveyard and they'd think that was a ghost or like a spirit coming wow. up. Wow. When really it's just like there's actual physical like rotting oh. gas that's coming up from the ground. And so they thought that the you, uh, I can't tell if that is what made the you poisonous or they were poisonous and that rep- represented life and death because they also live for literally thousands of years. Yes. So it's like eternal life. They're evergreen trees. They also will kill you on a dime. Wow, Casey. It's a lot going on. I have one I have one thing to say about that, and then I want to get back to Hecate. She's wa- she's been waiting. Yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> um, she may be an eternal being, but she doesn't have all day. <laughs> uh, so in the Christian tradition, Casey, 
uh, as opposed to as opposed to Greek mythology or pagan traditions, mm-hmm. uh, the U is also important, but for a very different reason. Oh. In that the outside of the bark being uh, brown uh-huh. and the inside being red. Uh, sort of symbolized the flesh and the blood of Christ. Really? Yes. Oh my God! So it just has it all. It has it all, Casey. It it appeals to all traditions. It really does. It's a universal religious tree. Yeah. Stunning. What we should also Everyone, we can talk about this later, but we should come up with like a arbitrary mythology of why the U is important. Oh yeah, we should add to we should add to the pantheon. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Cool. Hold for that. Uh, so Hecate, uh, I have a I have a quote here from. Matthew Suffness, uh, I guess, wrote a paper, Science and Applications, Taxol. Yes, that's right. Uh, did you also research this paper? Uh, no, I have not, but I know of Taxol because oh. um, the uh, one of my favorite books when I was learning about trees called uh, Trees to Know in Oregon, mm-hmm. um, that book specifically brings up the U, and it's from a forestry, from the OSU Forestry School. Yeah. Now, the thing about it is that they don't like plants that aren't, like, growing, like, the big expensive conifers. That that's how they make their money. And so a lot of times they, like, will try to kill other things that could compete with these plants, like mm. the, you know, the money-making Douglas firs. And so they would kill these things. And now they're like, well, this is a, quote, weed species in our plantations or in our forests, which we're trying to grow for a specific reason. So then we were cutting down all these ewes, and you're like, we don't want them. Get out of here. But then this is the native one over here, which is uh, Brevifolia, Taxus Brevifolia. Um, but then they realized that they can get this, uh, this interesting cancer-fighting treatment from the trees. And all of a sudden, this tree wasn't quite as useless as we, wow. as we thought. So they brought that up. In Taxol, he also talks about the importance of the U to the goddess Hecate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll read that here. Greeks held the U to be sacred to Hecate. Her attendants draped wreaths of U around the necks of black bulls, which they slaughtered in her honor. And U bows were burned on funeral pyres. Wow. See, that's just, yeah. They, it goes they, deeper. They represent it. The U was associated with the alphabet. We'll talk about that. Wow. And the scientific name for you today, Taxus, was probably derived from the Greek word for you, toxos, which is hauntingly similar to toxon, their word for bow, and toxicon, their word for poison. Oh, my God. It is presumed that the latter were named after the tree because of its superiority for both, of course, bows and poison. So known for bows. Like there are so Zubo. many we- webs being connected here, Casey. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to start. I didn't realize half of that. I did realize it, but I guess if I just did the etymology on that to the Greek, I would have I would have known a little bit more. There you go. Because you can, of course, draw that line very easily. Yes. Of course, the English longbow uh, a, a famous innovation in medieval warfare. Yeah, um, relied heavily on use, mm-hmm. uh, and many were chopped down and even imported. It's true uh, to 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 arm their uh, army. Yes, as you well would say. done, Alex. Uh, yeah, so the U extremely important to Hecate. Yeah, and all things death. And so, in it now, remind us. Uh, so Hecate is a god. Mm-hmm. And is of the ilk that is down in the in the underworld chilling. And now, does Hecate come up into the world? Like, and is 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 Hecate personified in the U? Uh oh, I don't know. Hmm. I know that. I mean, I don't think she was. And of course, uh, somebody listening will know. I don't think she was like bound to the underworld. Oh, uh, if okay. you'll recall, 
Um, the, the way in which we talked about the, the reference we made to Hecate earlier in this show mm. was during our pomegranate episode in which uh, Demeter, upon her daughter Persephone being kidnapped, took Hecate with her on her search for her daughter. Mm, and I Hecate was, is, was integral in that search, although they I ended see. up being told by uh, Helios, I think, yeah. where she was. And then, uh, and then, then you get uh, old Hades. Like, whoa, whoops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's, uh, uh, don't worry about it. It's a fun one. Yeah, that's a good one. But you want Hecate in your corner. How, so I, Apparently. I, at least she worked with Demeter, who was kind yeah. of more of a... A, a go-between. A, an Olympian-bound mm. sort of... Uh, type gotcha well casey there's also a reference to hecate in shakespeare's macbeth did you know this no okay so the three witches in macbeth uh-huh uh are seen to put a gall of goat and slips of you silvered in the moon's eclipse into their cauldron mm-hmm. what does a slip in this context a slip of you i would guess it's like a whip you know like a little branch oh sure of the you i don't understand so though they say silvered Okay. Yeah, silvered that, in the moon's eclipse. Slivered, mm, maybe. Slivered. Is that possibly like mm. they were in the when during the moon's eclipse they were taken from the uh, yeah tree? Perhaps I don't know honestly because at that point like the English that it's used there is just a little bit um, like it's changed ever so slightly. Not to mention, of course, in Shakespeare's time they would be saying things you know that we don't even culturally have any idea for. Like, right. Oh yeah, go get a slip of you, and like it meant something very specific, right? So I don't know. I would guess it's just some amount of it. Sure. Silvered though, or slivered, if it was uh, like maybe the bark was all taken off or something, mm. and then if it's left out in the sun, we call like a a sun bleached tree that's still standing. Oftentimes, we call it a silver because you can just see this like silver snag out in the on the, the the bush. Interesting. But I don't know. It's a very good question. Uh, Hecate then appears to critique their work. Um, yes. <laughs> hey, so did you guys know if you actually just turn that into a uh, puree first, it really <laughs> actually goes into the soup way better. Yeah. I I, I, I haven't read Macbeth since high school, and I don't remember that part, yeah. but I would really geek over that now. That would be hilarious to like see that, like like just a little bit of a troll from uh, from Hecate. Yeah. <laughs> he, I guess Shakespeare also w- would often use the... Uh, a reference to use. Yeah. Uh, boy, it's well, getting tough to tell what's being said. Yeah, exactly. To me or to us or to everyone yeah, versus the tree. Exactly. I get you. Well, yeah, he would use, he was, he would use a reference to use uh, often when discussing death. And, yeah. And that's um, the thing about it, right? Graveyardery. So, so this, this is kind of the big question. I couldn't quite find a, a big answer on. Okay. Is there, they have this, uh, this different relationship, right? Where it's from death, and we know that the people like probably at some point tried to eat the berries and then someone died and they're like, okay, don't do that. Yeah. This tree represents death. And obviously maybe they boiled the leaves because like, oh, well we boiled the conifer leaves of this one and we end up getting, you know, uh, vitamin C, things like that in our tea. So they figure out that you is killing their people left and right. They decide to be like, okay, we fear this plant. And then it becomes like this almost, uh, you would guess something to be like stay away from like mm-hmm. that is a plant that will kill you although you can't take these little red things and eat those that's fine so then it goes from that to being like shifted into a a place of almost veneration where it's now like a wise old plant that can kill you but also for whatever reason sucks up you know the the bad 
v- vapors that come yeah. from that come from the death. So I'm just so curious, like how how does something make that transition from I don't know, maybe it was honored the whole time because they're like, no, no, that plant demands respect. You have to be very gentle with it. But then why did we start putting uh, putting our churches in our uh, yards? I guess I guess I should back up. I think I just kind of came up with an answer. Wow, let's hear it. So I, I, you know, Christianity is where a lot of the more modern mythos comes from, mm-hmm. and that has all been transformed and placed on top of and, and changed via the old pagan religion uh, ideals that were there before. Yeah, and so a lot of times, if we as we discussed a hundred times, these different religious. Uh, artifacts or areas or places or things were just kind of transformed and kind of reimagined in a Christian ideal as opposed to whatever they were before when it was more of a pagan tradition. Right? Sure. So, the Christmas tree being a good example. It's a perfect example. So the U would have been, uh, previously, they had this different relationship with it entirely. We didn't put a church next to it. It was just this sacred ground. Right. And then that sacred ground, that's where we'd bury our, our dead. That's where... We would have all this this background kind of come from. And I, I guess my big question still kind of goes back to that. Like, how did that develop as opposed to then once it was already developed and we're like, this is an honorable tree, we, we must take good care of it. Mm-hmm. Then then we started putting our, uh, our churches and our church yards around it. But that was only, you know, after 500. That, you know, once the Romans and everyone be, decided that they were going to be Christian, then everything that they had conquered became Christianized as well. Right. Very curious. Alex. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think you're onto something with the the sort of the you know the respect and veneration uh-huh. as opposed to the fear, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and I I know about Hades um, in ancient Greek religion. You know, people didn't love talking about Hades. Mm, I see. Uh, good or bad. Uh, because like even talking about him might conjure him and you'd fucking Mm. drop dead. Hades is the Beetlejuice of the ancient world. (laughs) Yeah. I gotcha. That's right. Hades, Hades, Hades. Oh, Alex, where'd you go? What's up, everybody? (laughs) What's up, everybody? (laughs) That's too good. You want some pomegranate seeds? Uh, Yeah, I do. Hold on, Alex. (laughs) Don't eat those. Uh, So, yeah, I think there was like, we, we often like, you know, I think due to like cartoons and shit, look at mm. Hades as like an evil figure, but he was, yeah. he was really respected and sort of like, uh, yeah, he's a good guy anyway. Yeah. You know, anyway. Sort of yeah, of, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about him. Respected and venerated and given, given his proper, his proper respect. Yeah. Which is fair. Um, because you should get it. he's in charge of some pretty important stuff. He really is. Yeah. We don't want him to go sour on us. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing I, that I think is very curious. So whether or not we can figure out the, where these kind of myths and, and ideas came from, mm-hmm. Let's just move past that and say, well, they exist. And then the English or the the U English longbow, which is made of a U. The French were famous for having these gigantic longbows, which were so so amazingly strong. I think I heard that uh, some of the places, like during the the Roman conquests around, when they kind of just were trying to take over everything that is Europe and the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. uh, they went against some people who had. You you longbows that shot so hard that it would like send things straight through the shields. God, this is going to be a little bit much. I got this from a, a podcast, Hardcore History, which I like, and he always does not spare the the details. Where they would hold their shields up, but the bows would shoot their arrows in or whatever projectiles it was. It would go through the entire shield, through the arm, and like stick their their. Uh, 
their arm and their shield either to their chest or just go through their arm so they couldn't get their shield Good off their arm. Lord. It's terrifying. The whole thing's terrifying. Wow. But that's how powerful these bows were. That's why they became, you know, so insane. So one thing I think is curious is that you have this this plant that itself if you eat it, it will it will take you down. Yeah. And then we learn that its wood is so strong and beautiful that we can make these really complex bows and all these things. Like it becomes this weapon also of death. Yeah. And then at the same time, we plant that tree where people have died. Like I feel like it's it's got the market cornered on mortality maybe hell yeah yeah 100 percent. geez and not to mention alex we kind of skipped over this but you've the plants uh that are planted we should say rather are growing at these locations mm-hmm. these these churchyards and cemeteries they were either already growing when those were made for literally thousands of years or were planted there thousands of years ago and now are still these big massive monoliths of trees yeah. that are just growing. So on top of having all that symbolism, as we already noted, they also have the symbolism of like this this everlasting life. They just don't die. Yeah. They live forever and they kind of like have this gnarly looking shape. Something I read someone described it as it it is old, and some plants just look old. And they said, well, the yew has that in spades. Mm-hmm. It looks old, but the funny thing is, usually it's way older than it looks, <laughs> even though it still looks like an ancient piece of wood. Yeah. Wow. I love all that, Casey. And that, I mean, like, you know, we've, we've talked about trees being sort of ripe for metaphor. Yeah. I think the yew's got it. It does. And honestly, it I, cake. I think as soon as the further you go back, the further that humans were in like direct connection with the land and mm-hmm. the plants, like way, way more than we are now. And that I think is when you can find the most interesting connections where everyone like has not only done it in a way that's like useful for their life, but also for their culture and their religion and their spiritual, you know, uh, uh, their spiritual and their spirit. (laughs) Well said, Casey. (laughs) Um, Yeah, totally. I I think, yeah, we view in general, we view nature a lot differently now than, our ancestors yeah, of even sure. just like a couple hundred years ago. It's really, a, it's, it's an interesting issue, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Casey, mm. I think this is a great time to get into our review. I think it is a great time. This is a, it's, it's a lot to think about though. Let's call this the review. Yo, geez, Alex. If you will. I will not. Uh, here's how it works. We're going to give some final thoughts on this tree then give it a rating of zero to 10 golden cones of honor. Casey, as our resident expert, we begin with you. Is that spelled? And we begin with you. R-E-V-Y-E-U. Yes. You make me sick. <laughs> hey. All right. So here's my, here's my, my review mm. of the you, if you will. The U is a great tree. Yeah. Uh, now, I have a little bit of a qualm with it in that it's another one of those plants that has been, for whatever reason, um, captured, grown, and then people said, you know what way I like it best, and I'm going to sell it everywhere all the time, is this upright version that grows almost like exactly vertically, and like it becomes this little column of plant. Is that a cultivar? It is. It's a cultivar, and it's it's just the worst. It's fine, but like a million people will be planting it everywhere. They turn it into little like classical hedges. You know, you get in like some French garden from the 16th century. And it's just like, oh my God, you guys, let the tree grow. Yeah. Just let it be itself. And 
it's totally fine. It's a beautiful plant. I get it. It's very dark green. I love that. But the unfettered, the the messy, uh, unkempt, derelict yeah, yew tree. Man. That's what I want. You, uh, you classic. Yes, that's exactly it. I want it before the update. Give it back. One point oh, we're talking. Yes. That you, I think, is just so good. Use uh, they their their bark is stunning. They live forever, and they tend to grow in like wet areas most of the time. They want to be in a little wet area, mm-hmm. but they can grow in in rough conditions. They grow very slowly, and they just keep cooking. There's never been one I think I've ever seen planted as a street tree or anything like that. Yeah. Never as a specimen tree. They don't grow big. They're not these huge like, wow, look at that gorgeous you. Mm-hmm. Usually it's this like little thing that's off on the side, forgotten about. It's planted next to this, you know, window or the you know, on either sides of a door or this hedge and you're just like, okay, that's fine. But when you find one of them which they're out there in these countryside uh cemeteries, you can find these yews that have just been planted and just left alone for a thousand years. Yeah. And those are the ones that I'm reviewing now. Okay. Gets an 8.7. Nice. Hard 8.7. I know that we've done a lot of trees that have been getting really high reviews, but I'm sorry. Some trees are just really cool. Yeah. The cultivar, 4.1. Wow. Not even worth your time. It grows too slowly. It's okay. It just kind of grows up and becomes this weird like upside down triangle. I don't like it. I don't want it. You can get rid of it. There you have it. 8.7 Golden Cones of Honor for the English U from dendrologist Casey Clapp. It's a wonderful, wonderful tree. Go find it naturally. A natural. A natural. You natural. All right. Anyway, that's what I think, Alex. I think they're beautiful, and I want to go out and touch them. I don't want to ingest them, though. No, of course not. Anyway, what do you tummy think? troubles. Exactly. I don't want those. <laughs> More than that, I think I think my heart would stop. Hades might come a-knocking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Casey, you want some you berries? <laughs> no, Hades. Get out of here. You know, often we'll review a tree, and I really love, like, one or two aspects of it. Mm-hmm. When, I'm, when I say aspects, I mean bark, foliage, you know, oh, cone and or fruit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, cultural significance, mm-hmm. overall appearance. There are these different kind of categories, I think, yeah. about when we when you, we talk about these trees. You usually go for, like, the Gregoriousness of it is usually one that I Yeah, do. or, like, a, a tree will have, like, you know, it'll get points because it has a great fruit. Yeah. Love that fruit. I don't really give a shit about any of the other subs, yeah. the categories. Like, don't like this tree. It's a little too pompous for me. Right. Yeah. Or the bark will be upsetting. Exactly. The bark will be a little rough for my taking. Yeah. I'm with you. Casey. I don't dislike anything about the U. Really? Yeah. It's, its cone is a little lackluster, don't I th- you think? I think it's extremely cool. Wow. It has a cone that is that looks like a berry mm-hmm. um, and has like evolved as such for, you know, strategical purposes. Yeah, right. I think that's extremely cool. I think the fact that it's associated with, you know, the afterlife and... Uh, 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 death and and decay is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fact that it's associated with Hecate and Hades is extremely cool. That 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 gets it a million points in my book. Yeah, uh, I love the fact that it's fucking poisonous. Uh, I love it. I you know this. I love a tree that protects itself. Uh huh. Yeah, um, this one does for sure. 
I think the bark is stunning. I love its place in mythology oh and God. mythos at large and, I, and tradition. I don't think I've ever, like very rarely do you have only positive things to say about this tree. I, I, I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen it, one of the cultivars. I'm sure I, I wouldn't mm. care about it. Yeah. I'm going to give the U a 9.2. A 9.2 yeah. for the U. It just feels right, wow. Casey. That's great. This honestly above the station. I didn't know that this you could punch so high. Oh yeah! Wow, it's Holy up there. For, it's up there for me. I, I think uh, out of I, I, you know, I would love to do a you part two. Ah, yeah. Well, we should do the native one. Oh sure. Well, I was going to suggest like a deep dive on one of uh, some some mythology of, ah, about the you. Yeah, um, would be kind of interesting. Or get to the bottom know, of these questions. More scientific have. approach is also fine. <laughs> Boring. Um, yeah, I love it. Well, this is great. I'm excited because the, there are other people that uh, that don't like the U for multiple reasons. Sure. Yeah, you know, they find it to be quite uh, unkempt is a bad thing. Oh, well. Yeah, and also it gets a lot of uh, lichen on it because it doesn't grow very fast. It just kind of sits there. That's fine. Yeah, it's kind of like a sloth. It grows so slowly that it develops other things on it. It's got to grow slow. It's an oldie. It's yeah, slow and slow and uh, slow and uh, uh, steady. Uh, yeah, you get it. It's the, yeah, tor- the yeah. tortoise effect. Thank you, Alex. It's going to win the race, Casey. That was our review of the English U. It's time for a completely arbitrary Q and A. And when I say Q, I'm spelling that Q Y E W. This week's question is from host Alex Croson. What, Alex? I'm surprising Casey. I had no idea. This is what. I have a question for you, Casey. You know, you can just ask these questions. Uh, yeah, but that this is special and cool. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you got a good... Uh, this is okay. All right. Okay. Here it is. Out for a walk yesterday, mm-hmm. I came across some trees, which I believe are tulip trees. Ah, uh, okay. I don't know what variety or exact species, but I believe the one time we you pointed them out to me and said they were tulip trees. Okay. At the base of these, these are young trees. Mm-hmm. I don't know how young. They're about maybe eight, nine feet tall. Okay. And their trunks are probably four inches in diameter. Mm. Checks out. Maybe three and a half, four. Okay. At the base of each of these trees is a green bag. Ah. What looks like a vinyl, you know, like tarp material. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. Uh, with a zipper up the side. Yep. And on the little handle, it says tree gator. Mm-hmm. And it says water like a pro. That's right. I, th- I guess that's their slogan. I have several of these bags. This is not an ad. This is not. Although, reach out to us if you want <laughs> you to be. Shit, yeah. Um, Casey, what is that bag? What do they do? That's the, that, that's the first part. And then uh-huh. once you've answered that, I'll ask my follow-up. This is great. I'm glad that you observed this in the field. Those are colloquially called gator bags gator bags yes i'm sorry they say tree gators we just call them gator bags around here okay so gator bag is a bag that is essentially a pouch and that pouch is hollow you can fill it with water okay but the uh the essential idea is you're not around to water your little baby trees Mm -hmm. uh you can tell by the size of these trees uh that you mentioned that they are newly planted very likely um, so a newly planted tree usually needs like three to five years almost of establishment before it can just handle itself. You don't need to wow. water it. So some people do it for a minimum of two years. Sometimes it's like two to three. Sometimes it's three to five. You know, it, it changes based on best practices, climate, all these kinds of things. Is that is that more specifically urban trees? Um, 
Because certainly trees yeah. in the forest don't need like assistance. They no. just go for it. They, they, and they, they, they might have mycorrhizal assistance. I was going to say, they need assistance from the ecosystem. Sure. Yes. But we also, those trees are really small. So whenever we go out and plant trees in the wilderness, they're always usually maybe a foot tall. Like mm-hmm. they're very, very tall or small trees. A small tree requires a very small amount of water and energy to uh, live. I see. So you plant that, it's going to be way smaller when you plant it, but it doesn't need as much, so it doesn't need any extra help. It can just kind of slowly connect into the network, and then it starts to grow. Kind of naturally the way it would. Yeah, exactly. So during uh, a planting in an urban area, though, the, it's exactly what you talked about. A, we have to plant bigger trees in the city of portland specifically uh inch and a half is a minimum size but we go up in to, diameter yes six inches above the above the ground it's called caliper size okay so it's like what how big is the base of the tree minimum of one and a half inches i see so that can go up to two and a half inches depending on if it's commercial or not all these different things but Suffice it to say, when you have a tree that's that big, the root system is probably at least as tall as that tree, but out going out wide. Mm. So, obviously, we're not going to dig a seven-foot hole in every direction, pick up every single root, and set it in this tiny little planter spot. We unfortunately cut off almost like 90% of the root systems of these trees into wow. these little tiny balls, put them into a burlap sack or put them into a bucket, and we plant those trees. Okay. So unfortunately, we have to have these bigger trees because if they're not bigger, someone's just going to walk over and step on them or something like that. Yeah. Um, but either way, because we have these bigger trees and they've been cut so short on the roots, you have to add a bunch of water and keep those roots really happy while they establish into the ground around mm. and then grow enough to hold the tree up to, or to, to give it all of its nutrients and water that it could ever need. Interesting. So the gator bag is a tool to use if you are not able to sit there and water the tree really slowly because mm-hmm. it's not just take a little bit and go pip, 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 around the base of the tree, you're good to go. Right. If you have grass, that water is going to be taken up by the grass first. Some of it's going to sit on top and evaporate. Others are going to go into the ground and get just maybe an inch or so into the soil, but no deeper. So you want to do a very slow watering over maybe two hours. Set it and forget it. Exactly. This is the the gator bag. So it's usually a big flat bag. And like I said, it's more like a pouch with two zippers on the side, you noticed. Take those zippers, take them around the tree. Now you have a hollow pouch that encircles the tree. However, it doesn't actually have any water that's touching the stem of the tree, which is also really important because you don't want that tree to have just standing water yeah, okay. all next to it. Because the trunk also breathes and does gas exchange. Like drown it. Yeah, exactly. And that's a perfect place for fungus to grow. Mm. So this gator bag goes around it, keeps the water in a pouch outside of the tree, and then on the bottom, it has a bunch of little tiny holes. You fill it up, and I think they can be like five or six, ten gallons, something like that. You can fill it up. The water is just going to slowly over the next hour or two percolate down into the soil wow. and then very slowly yet thoroughly water that entire tree. And it took you all of two seconds to zip it up and fill it with water. Interesting. Yeah. So that's what they're there for uh, on all the new trees. And they're always going to be on small trees because bigger trees don't need that water they've already established. Wow. So to sum up, mm-hmm. it's unnatural to put such a big tree, to plant such a big tree Yes, correct. Naturally, it would start as a little seed, right? Right. So we need tools to help it get along until it can establish itself in this harsh new environment. Precisely. Very interesting, Casey. There you go. This is the best way to do it. Thank you so much for your question. If you have a question <laughs> about trees, <laughs> I should have said that. <laughs> email us 
at arbitrarypod at gmail.com, A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod at gmail.com. Join us on Instagram at arbitrarypod. Follow the show news or support this podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. Join the Arboretum for two bonus episodes a month about trees and other related topics or the very prestigious, very cool, very welcoming Cone of the Month Club. Mm-hmm. Receive a unique die-cut cone sticker illustrated by an independent artist sent to you every darn month in the mail. Casey Clapp. Alex Croson. We've done it again, my we, friend. We've gotten to the end of a new episode. Uh, you know what? I quite like the U, and I'm glad we covered it. Yeah, me too. And I had a, uh, sometimes I, I uh, pitch in on the research side of these things. I had a really good time reading about it. Hey, I'm glad you did. Feel free to do it on any one of these, because I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You can find lots of interesting stuff out there, Alex. Casey's got enough to do. <laughs> um, uh, hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We appreciate you so much listening every week, and... We'll see you next time. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 